Hey, this is Brent Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And folks, sitting across from me live and direct is none other than my pal and music lover, Mr. Colin Lumsden. How are you, pal? Very well. How are you, sir? Good. Good Doing well. Thanks for coming in today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. So, Colin, I, I like your list a lot here. It's uh, it's very punk leaning. You've got uh, a nice variance though to it. Uh, there's some Beatles tunes in there. So I was wondering, you know, looking through this list, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about the punk inflection and uh, you know if it was if it was related in any way to you know how you grew up and, and maybe even Ottawa because I knew you grew up in Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a sign of the times and a sign of my life and experiences uh, growing up in Ottawa, as you said. I think. A large part of it is rebellion against my hippie parents. So I had hardcore hippie parents that were into the Beatles, Zeppelin, the Stones, went to most sport, did all that, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. But it wasn't out of spite that I did that. I genuinely liked the music and the message and mm-hmm. the vibe and the culture. So that's really where it came from. Ottawa had a really good punk scene. It was flanked by Montreal, which had an excellent punk scene. Really? Yeah, really, really good. One of the best bands of all time, which I almost made the list but didn't, is called the Ripcords. Okay. Montreal punk band, check them out. They've been around forever, and they have some classic, classic tunes. Okay. Uh, so growing up, going through high school, um, you know, I was sort of a jock kid growing mm-hmm. up, mm-hmm. and then I got injured. Okay. And when I got injured, I couldn't play sports anymore, and I needed an outlet for my aggression and, yeah. and passion, and I found music and, and, and punk rock specifically, and that's really sort of the genesis of it, and I just sort of always was drawn to that type of genre of music with political activism, loud guitars, mm-hmm. attitude and swagger, mm-hmm. and that's really where it came from. See, as you're saying that, I drew a, a very close parallel to my own upbringing, you know, because I did the same thing. But it's funny because you select, you know, certain genres for yourself, right? And and it's almost like trying on clothing. So you say, uh, punk, hmm, maybe. I didn't have the politically activistic, you know, viewpoints maybe. But, um, you know, Springsteen, not for me because it wasn't aggressive enough. Right. Wham, certainly not for me, right? But heavy metal was kind of, you know, the jacket that fit best for me. Yeah. And so uh, I did the exact same thing. It's a it's a it's a channel and it's an outlet by which to kind of you know address um, aggression that you've got going on in your youth or whatever it is. So that music kind of finds you and you insert yourself into that, mm-hmm. and uh, and it, it just it cultivates that love that you have for it. Yeah, I would say I, I tried heavy metal too. I listened to like most of my friends were into Motley Crue and Guns mm-hmm. N' Roses and yeah, and, and it was all right. I didn't dislike it but just wasn't totally my cup of tea i found punk just a little bit more edgy yeah yeah see that's interesting because i don't know exactly where the the line is between a band like slayer and a band well i do but uh in a band like say the dead kennedys right um because they're both aggressive they both play very fast um i think that maybe slayer is a little bit more kind of evil you know whereas i guess the dead kennedys is a little bit more kind of um political political yeah. yeah yeah so heavy metal i think is maybe a little bit more kind of fantastical comic book you know yeah. kiss progenitor stuff as opposed to as opposed to punk yeah. but yeah yeah very cool I, I love your list so you've got you. you've got uh, five songs here that we're going to go through and then um i know that you've got like a million you know other songs you want to talk about uh, and we're going to bring you back to talk about you know a bunch more Perfect. so 
So one thing before we get started is uh, I really like the way that you put this list together. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I know that, you know, all the guests say I had a really hard time nailing this down to like, you know, five or eight or 10 or whatever it is um, from, you know, the hundreds that you've experienced over the course of your life that actually make your skin vibrate as a, as a significant music fan. And so what you've done here is uh, I think that you've actually used a scientific approach almost um, in the form of like a spreadsheet. Yes. Yes, yeah. I did. And okay. anybody listening who knows me won't be overly surprised by that <laughs> fact or who works with me. But uh, yes, it was a very scientific approach. So as you know, it took me a very long time to put this list together because I remember yes. you nagging me. And I <laughs> promised you that by the end of calendar 16, I would get it to you. And if you recall, I sent it to you on December 31st, 2016. I did. So I think I, it was uh, in the evening. It so. was late in the evening, but I did meet that deadline. I don't miss deadlines, so I did do that. But you know, building it, it was a lot of reflection about sort of different phases of my life when I was a kid with my mm -hmm. parents, a teenager, high school, going sort of through the whole path and different songs. So there's recent songs, there's older songs. And uh, as you mentioned to me, as I was building this list, it would take time for the list to build. And you're like, oh yeah, that song I heard on the radio. I remember that was one of the key ones. So, mm -hmm. so I did do that. So I, I spent the whole year literally sort of cataloging everything wow. I could think of um, and going through it. And so what I did to, to track it to, was put it in a spreadsheet. And originally it was just a, a, a dump, dumping ground. But then I realized I did need something once we got to the point of evolving it to what are the top few songs that really mean a lot to you. Mm -hmm. Then I needed something a little bit more scientific than just looking at it and going, oh, I like the Dead Kennedys. Oh, I like Fratelli's. Yes. And that's where I did a, a weighting and a score. Right? Okay. So I waited and I scored to come up with what songs ultimately made the top of the list. You that's, really did that? Yeah, like yeah. you weighted songs? Yeah. And it, it's somewhat, <laughs> I mean, it's very arbitrary. It's based on my opinion. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. if I went back in time, it might change. Yeah. The same way your song list might change, you know, if you went back two years ago, oh, maybe I like the song X instead of song Y better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But at the time, I thought that was probably the best way to do it. Now, what was interesting is that the science sort of didn't, override anything I kind of knew. When yes. I looked at that list, if I had thought to myself after the fact, would those have been the top five to ten songs? They probably would have been the top five to ten songs. Okay, so, so that was almost like the checks and balances. I think so the, so. The, the science kind of was done, and then you said, well, you know, does it does it pass kind of the gut check? Pretty much. Yes, it does. Yeah, okay. it's, it felt more like a validation, right, just to make sure that I didn't miss anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah, that's where it came from. Kind of nerdy, but... No, I, I, well, it's accurate, right? And I think it's great. I think and it's, you know, I, I like the uniqueness of the approaches that people use because I've heard all kinds, obviously, of approaches. And it's tough because, you know, the, the songs that kind of tweak you over the course of your life, sometimes they're missed and, and sometimes you hear it on the radio and it's not necessarily in your music collection. That certainly happened to me. Right. So you forget about those and then it's like, oh my God, I, you know? Yeah. So it's cool that you did that because it sounds like it was a great catch-all and you actually, yeah. you know, were very thorough in, in putting this together. Yeah. So Well, almost halfway through 17, I have to tell you, I have, like, I have a draft in my email folder that yeah. I keep active and anytime I hear a song, it's like, oh yeah, I, for I forgot about that one. So I yeah. probably have 10 to 20, I don't remember off the top of my head, but somewhere between the range of 10 to 20 more songs that yeah go on my permanent list and wow. i don't think any of them will trump my this active list like top 10 songs top okay. five, 10 songs mm -hmm. but there are songs that again like two months into the year after i sent you my list like oh yeah forgot about that one i know yeah so, i still do that too you know and and you you had read the the book on my favorite people are broken and i think i had like a hundred or something yep. like that but i still do that yep. you know i'm still adding to it so what's your count now Dana? oh god it's got to be up around like 160 yeah yeah. That's where mine would be now, because I think the list I sent you was about 120. 
got another 10 to 20. So it's somewhere in that one, 110, 150 range. So. Yeah. But you know, it's cool because I've added new songs that I've heard mm-hmm. since, right? It's yeah. like songs like Rental Love by uh, Lake Street Dive. It's just, it just kind of, it's a special song. Right. So it's a, it's almost like a living document, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a totally living document. I don't think you could freeze it and say those are the only songs that I'm ever going to like for the rest of my life. <laughs> pretty foolish of anyone to do that yeah, yeah things yeah. evolve and change and your sounds come out and you remember old things from your youth or yes exactly yeah. exactly yeah awesome man okay so let's get started here so All i've right. got uh your list of five and the first song colin is uh, by the beatles a great track it's strawberry fields forever yeah so that one it was actually my first record like proper turntable record and it was nice. my dad's I I got a record player that was combined with a tape player and okay. an old school ghetto box sort of thing. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, I had this record player and I asked my dad, I said, do you actually have any records left? Because I'm, all I'm using is tapes. I'm like, yeah, I probably have some stuff in the basement. And sure enough, he had he had that. Yep. Um, and I, so I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll play that. And like from the first chord on that song, it just sort of moved me. And then the melody, the lyrics... Sort of, it was you know one of the early sort of spacier songs, yes. right? That yeah. sort of you know, like I am the Walrus and other things like that. It was sort of really freaky and weird. Yeah, there's a venture into psychedelia for the yes. first time. Yeah, yeah, right. And it was like, wow, what is this? This is so different than you know, Love Me Do or you exactly. know, She Loves You. There's because I knew those songs as well. Yes. Yeah, this one was totally different. And I just there's something about the the lyrics and the music in it that just touched me. And knowing that it was my first actual record. Yeah. Right. And I would play it over and over and over. And my dad would come down the hall and be like, please, can you just try a different Beatles song? They have hundreds. There's other choices. I was like, yeah, 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 sure. Um, but what's interesting about that one is it's probably not my favorite Beatles song. Okay. I like many other Beatles songs much, much better. I like, yeah. I like I Me Mine. Yep. I like Cable Dog. I like In My Life. Mm-hmm. Ticket to Ride. Like, I like all those songs actually better. Yeah. But this song, every time I hear it from the first strike of the chord, it gets me. And it reminds me of being my first record, yep. playing it incessantly, my father, mm-hmm. his type of music. And so it just has this incredible emotional pull for me yes and that's exactly what this is all about yeah. so yeah i love that it, yeah. it makes your skin vibrate totally totally and it's, and it's a cool song and I, I find it fairly timeless like a lot of the beatles tunes actually i think you can listen to them almost any time oh, really yeah. go out of style yeah but that one like every time i listen to it i'm like yeah i still really really dig that song and it just brings me to a, a really cool chill spot in my mind i can picture the bedding in my room the mirror in my room where the record player was located yeah everything i could smell my room just that's incredible yeah, isn't it yeah really yeah. really cool it's like an oral time machine totally. really it just brings you right back right there, there. Yeah. yeah that's so, amazing yeah, yeah so that that's that one uh, but i love the beatles i mean it's interesting get you know as you mentioned the sort of punk rock theme doesn't sort of jive necessarily but yeah. uh, you know they were sort of one of the original rebel groups yes right? especially oh, for sure. john lennon Right. Particularly John Big time Lennon, yeah. level, right? Yeah. And so it was the first sort of anti-establishment, bigger than Jesus, the whole thing, right? Yeah. Some pretty, and very political, much yeah. like a lot of the punk music I like. So yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of parallels to their trajectory that I really sort of see common with the sort of my overall aggregate punk theme. Yeah, you know, and I would venture to say, you know, we were talking about this earlier, that like John Lennon and, and arguably Keith Richards as well, John Lennon was almost like the original punk, yeah. right? And I'd said before that, um, you know, when you watch the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show, you know, Paul and George are kind of like, you know, happy and like smiling. And then you look at Lennon, he's like 
yeah. kind of giving you the finger with yeah. his eyes, right? It's like he's intense. Yeah. 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 Okay, so your next song, Colin, is uh, by the Arctic Monkeys, and it's called When the Sun Goes Down. Yes, sir. So I would say the Arctic Monkeys are probably my favorite band of all time. Okay. Um, to the point we talked about earlier in the evolution of life. You mm-hmm. know, they weren't obviously around for most of my life. But yep. from the second I heard them, you know, they've been overtaking all of my musical interests. So mm-hmm. heard them and I was always hooked into the UK sort of indie punk music scene okay. uh, throughout sort of my whole life and would always keep track of it. And I heard that they came they were coming up in 2005 and mm-hmm. couldn't get anything over here in North America at that time. And then I heard them in 2006, they did a little EP and this, the song came with two other songs, uh, yeah. red lights indicate doors are secure and wave by to the train and the bus. And it was just a revelation, like the, the sound, the aggression, mm-hmm. um, their attitude, everything. I just loved about them. And so I started following them. I've seen every show that they've ever put on in Toronto. Really? Yeah, every single show. How many is that? Uh, I think it's about eight now. Really? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. They, sometimes they were opening acts, like they opened for Oasis one time, yep. uh, which is a great show for me, uh, yep. as you can imagine. But yeah. um, they were at Little Clubs. I think they were at the Mod Club one of the first times I saw them. But I think they opened for U2 about four years ago when they were here. Yeah. Right? So just really, just an incredible band huge change in their sound right yes. the early early stuff very hardcore very fast uh-huh. really punky and heavy on guitars yes then they went sort of more melodic with humbug yeah um, when they were with josh homie from queens of the stone age yes but so it's actually the first two albums i, I really really liked and I, I sort of ranked their their the five albums sort of one to five and their first mm-hmm. two usually pop most the middle one humbug yeah not a huge fan of it okay but i actually realized that it set them up for the next two albums yes um suck it in c and am yep because they sort of brought back a little of the hardcore edge and not so experimental okay so without humbug they couldn't have done the last two albums which i think are some of their finer work okay but but when the sun goes down i mean it's just such a cool tune yeah right yeah oh it's the, great the lyrics the guitars the message yeah uh, the video is really interesting too because it's about an english prostitute right? yeah um and it was originally called scummy yeah right yes it was so scummy was not the prostitute though it was actually the john i believe correct. yeah yeah that's correct yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah 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 no great tune but, and but great that, band. that 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 tune opened me up to them yeah right which then you know sort of just changed my my outlook on on them the music and just like a total passion for them i went to see them in in new york city at msg which was oh wow really cool show really yeah um just just an awesome band great live very entertaining Mm -hmm. uh good sound good attitude just awesome but that song was the first foray into it right yeah just See, it's interesting that you say that, Colin, because my my entry point to the Arctic Monkeys was actually the cover of that. Is it Beyonce? Crazy in Love. Yeah, is Beyonce song, and so I think you know it's it's very melodic, it's catchy, and I thought, but I didn't know them to be the band oh. that they were on their first two records. Yeah, yeah. that kind of snot nosed like yeah, yeah. indie band, mm-hmm. right? I thought that they were kind of this slick. No, you know, no, they were not not near as polished before. Yeah, um, they were really gritty. Yes, um, and they do great covers. They've covered uh, the Strokes. They've covered Amy Winehouse. Yes, um, and they do a great. Uh, they've covered Girls Aloud, which is a UK 
sort of pop band. Yep. The, the song when they do their covers, they're fantastic. Yeah. Uh, they did Come Together for the 2012 uh, London Olympics. Oh, nice. Um, which sounds like every other version of Come Together, but it's still really nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, they do great, great original tunes, great covers, but their their new stuff is a little bit more polished. They should have a new album coming out either this year or next. So I'm really curious to see where they go with it. Okay. Because uh, they've been off since AM. I think that came out in 13. So they've been off for a few years, which is probably one of the longest hiatuses they've been on. Yeah. So I'm really curious to see it. And there's been nothing coming out, no singles, no leaks, nothing. Really? So I've just been waiting and waiting for, for that. Still together, I imagine. Yep. Yeah. yeah, they've done some, like I saw some postings on NME or something that said, mm. you know, oh, they're in Sheffield or they're in LA or they're doing this or that. So That's where they're from, right? Sheffield, yeah. Correct, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, very cool to them. Okay, so uh, next we're going to jump right into the punk with the Dead Kennedys and where do you draw the line? Yeah, so I mean, I I love the Dead Kennedys forever, yeah. um, and they actually have a very similar. If you listen to their album history, it's it's they were before the Arctic Monkeys, but the same sort of path, right? Like seventies, so right? Seventies, like late seventies, late seventies yeah. and all eighties. Yeah. Um, their first album, you know, songs that are a minute and a half long, really intense, brutal, hardcore. Yes. Um, and then it sort of phased out, and when you got from you know the the last two albums, Frank and Christ, mm-hmm. was like they had songs that were eight minutes long. Oh, Frank and Christ, I didn't know but that. But still very hardcore, yeah, uh, very political, but not these sort of short, traditionally punky, catchy tunes. Yeah. But this this song here, I mean, I, I could have picked any number of Dead Kennedy songs, uh, Stars and Stripes of Corruption, Cesspools mm-hmm. and Eden, um, When You Get Drafted. But this one here has always been probably the one that that moved me the most. Yeah. Um, not only based on the sound, but based on the lyrics. So it comes from Bedtime for Democracy, which is one of their last albums. Okay. It was the one of the first CDs I ever got. Yeah. Was was Bedtime for Democracy, and it's got this. It's almost like a vampirish, ghoulish sort of guitar theme through it. It's this hmm. haunting sort of guitar sound that goes through it. It's still very edgy and chainsaw, but there's this ghoulishness to it that I that I've perceived as I listen to all the songs. Yeah. But this one in particular, what I like about it is it is going after everything and everybody. Okay. Um, so what he's saying throughout the song is, you know, I'm in no position to tell you where to draw the line. I'm yep. just telling you somebody's got to do it. Okay. And But he takes shots at his own group in terms of, you know, the punks being sort of judgmental. Really? You know, he talks about the war movement and saying, you know, part of the lyrics is you know, that you can't join the war movement because you eat meat. Okay. Right. Like, who are you to tell me that I can't eat meat but be against war? That's yeah. not acceptable. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of the line that always gets me in that is, uh, anarchy sounds good to me, but someone asks who to fix the sewers. Yeah. Because everybody thinks that. Oh, yeah, anarchy's be great. I don't like paying taxes. Screw the man. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But then when your basement floods and there's no electricity, <laughs> what happens? Exactly. What are you going to do? Yeah. Right? Want health care? Not an option if it's anarchy. So... You know, it really, really makes you think yeah. about life and politics and, and things like that. And they are the most political band by a mile on this on this list. Yes. Um, you know, they always, the anti-establishment attacked American culture, American economy, American imperialism, all of those different things that I found really fascinating. I didn't get to experience it in the 80s particularly. I was too young to notice. But, yeah. you know, looking back at how they attacked, you know, Reaganomics and the Iran-Contra affair, all these different things that are really sort of very politically charged. Yeah. And their lyrics are, are to use what you, you talked about earlier a little bit, cartoonish. Right? Yes. They, they make up all these really crazy scenarios, you know, um, and just very powerful, direct, hardcore lyrics that mm-hmm. they that they come up with to really sort of land their message. 
um, across a number of different sort of political areas of interest. But, yeah. but this song has so many lines in it about, you know, no, not, not passing judgment. He's not passing judgment. And he's not saying I'm in any position to tell you where, what the line is. Yep. I'm telling you, you need to think about that as yep. a member, as a citizen, as a member of society, you need to think about that and sort of knock off with the judgment, be very thoughtful about mm-hmm. what you're asking for and what you stand for. So, yeah. um, and, and the guitars are awesome through it. It's got, it's really short, upbeat and moves around a lot. So, um, it's a cool tune. It's a really cool tune. See, I had no idea. I just learned something there. I had no idea that the dead Kennedys, you know, implied that sort of, that much thoughtfulness. Yeah, if you break down their lyrics on many, many of their songs, like Cesspools in Eden is about, you know, a new neighborhood establishment that mm-hmm. was built on top of um, chemical soil. Yeah. So a, a big chemical company just dumped their all their toxic waste, mm-hmm. and then another company came in and bought it, and they built houses on it, and kids are running down the street with burns, yeah. people can't get pregnant. Like They really cut up a yeah. lot of really heavy-duty topics in there. Yeah. Um, Stars and Stripes of Corruption, which almost got this one instead of where to draw the line, is all about America, right, and what yeah. the flag stands for. Oh, really? Yeah. And he's basically saying, you know, the people who are actually fighting for what we're fighting for, free speech, health care, good economy, mm-hmm. are bigger patriots than somebody who says you can't wait, you can't burn the flag. Yeah. That's not patriotism. Yeah. That's BS, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm out on the street every day fighting for people's rights, for yeah. humanity. That's true patriotism. Yeah. You may not like it. And even he is recognizing it a citizen. He's like, I appreciate the fact that I have the right to actually do this without getting shot. With yeah. one of his lines, right? Yeah. Um, powerful, powerful, powerful. All of their albums have some political component to it. Yeah. All, almost every song, actually. Um, you know, Moon Over Marin is another one that talks about down in Marin. I think Marin's in California. Yeah. A, a chemical or an oil leak. Mm-hmm. So the oil starts washing up onto this guy's beach in the moon over Marin, and he can watch the oil come up on his beach. Like, just really heavy-duty stuff. Yeah. But he, they do it in such a short, concise, powerful way that it doesn't. it's not too overwhelming, I guess. Mm-hmm. But you have to listen and pay attention and sort of get the message yeah. and, and sort of reflect on it and see what it means to you. But yeah, they're hugely political. They had um, obscenity charges uh, against them. Yeah. Uh, Tipper Gore, who was Al Gore's wife, yes. took them to court. Um, because they had uh, part of the inserts on Frankenchrist, I think it was called Penis Landscape. Yes. Geiger. Yeah. Um, so that became a huge deal. And they were yeah. on Jerry Springer fighting obscenity charters. Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey. They were all over the yeah. place. So. It was, I think it was mostly Jello by Afra, who's, yes. who's a very outspoken yeah. kind of advocate against the PMRC, right? Yeah. Yeah, back in the 80s. Yep. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Um, well, they, they, you know, they, I think they caused a lot of headaches for a lot of people in a oh, very yeah. good way. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and, and and that's what I like about them is they they provoke the thought and they did it with without that much judgment to say that it has to be our way. Yes, I mean, they just want you to think. Yes, about what's going on. Yeah, you make your own decision. That's sort of the core message of the song. You make your own decision, but you know, think. Yeah, think about what you're hearing. Think about what you want. Think about your values. Think about what it means. Yeah, and and go with it. Yeah, but don't not think about it just because you know propaganda, the government, anything tells you not to do it or it should be this way. Yeah, it's not good enough. Think yeah. about it. Um, yeah. but don't be stupid, right? That's that's the, also the core message is be inclusive on all these things, right? You want to yeah. stop war? You can still have a burger. That's yeah. okay, right? That's yeah. his message. And to the to the anti-war advocates, he's basically saying you want people to help you stop war, let them in. Yeah. Right? Sure, yeah. you don't agree with everything, but nobody agrees with everything on anybody. Like it's just not possible. There's some things you and I disagree with. Doesn't mean we can't hang out. Exactly. Can't talk or yeah. have this common goal about talking about music. That's cool. Yeah. Right. Um, I just learned so much about the dead Kennedys there. Oh, well, I'm a historian too. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Seriously. 
Uh, okay, so your next tune is by the Fratellis, and it's called, this is a great pick, it's For the Girl. Now, I'm a big fan of uh, Chelsea Dagger, yep. which I think this comes from the same record, Costello Music. Yes, it does. Right? It's a couple of tracks later, I think. Um, this is a great song. Yeah, uh, For the Girl is, it, it, unlike the, the Beatles song, this is probably my favorite Fratelli song of okay. all time. And they've got a bunch of really cool stuff. They didn't. They don't have the repertoire of an Arctic Monkeys or a Beatles or Oasis, but... Um, so they've only got like, four or five albums mm-hmm. just released one recently but this song I mean just from the opening moment it's got a punk beat it's got a ska beat it's got the la 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 yes. through it it's it's just so cool um, the melody the harmonies everything just ties together almost perfectly for me it's the right length yep. right energy level um, and every time I, I can play it on guitar wicked which yeah. I love oh, nice. so, so that's really helpful <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's it's just a really really good tune, and uh, I don't think it was actually the first Fratelli song I heard. It was the first time I heard Fratelli's. It was Flathead. Yes. When iPod used them, yeah, that was that was yeah. their song. And Me then, too. Yeah. My boss at the time said because we were in sort of to this to the punk scene and their music, and he's like, "What the hell is that song? It's awesome." I said, yeah. "I don't know. I've never heard of it either." Yeah. And we were going to a meeting, and we just he had it, and we were just listening to it over and over again. He's like, "I've never heard of these guys." Yeah. This is really good, though. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I, I'm surprised they leaked out of the UK scene without me picking up on them before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I was still plugged in when they came out, yep. and I just really didn't pick up. Maybe it's because they're Scottish. I don't know. But yeah, uh, yeah, could be. You know, but um, yeah, just that, and and so I, I followed the the rest of the, the album, the Costello music, and yep. a lot of the songs on Costello music are really really good. Yes. Um, Flathead, Chelsea Dagger, Baby Fratelli, all of them are really good. But for the girl. Definitely uh, the best song um, on that album and yeah. the best Fratelli song. Fratelli's one of my top few bands also. I've yep. seen almost every show they've done in Toronto. Nice. Um, love them and you know, really cool experiences at the Phoenix, at the Mod Club. Yep. Uh, put on a great show, really intense, high energy. Yep. Uh, but this song just... And I, and I love ska, which you no know, ska made my list yeah. for this purpose, but yep. it did for the, the larger list. Yep. Um, I love that ska beat, and especially in, in a punk rock setting. You can really sort of do that uplift on the guitar yep. um, and make it a little crunchier, yeah. uh, but it's still very melodic. So I like the way, and that's that's in this song. It's just sort of thematic through the song, so I really like that. But yep. you know, So this is another one of those songs that sort of got me really into the Fratellis, and, and I just love them. They, them and Arctic Monkeys were on sort of heavy, heavy rotation for about five years years it was just them yeah sort of running through my my cd player i'm gonna age myself there but anyway, yeah. uh, so. <laughs> it wasn't a taper record at least so. <laughs> or an eight track yeah <laughs> all right so you've got one more tune here lums it's uh, by green day and it's called coming clean yeah so you know i'm probably gonna get some heat from anybody who listens to this that is a punk rock aficionado for liking green day but yeah. you know if you listen to the original green day you know a thousand hours 39 smoothed out um they're really good Um, and they were sort of teamed with Operation Ivy um, in the Bay Area and Operation Ivy eventually sort of split off and became Rancid which is another one of my favorite bands yes but um, you know their early stuff was just excellent and this was from Dookie so they're sort of their make their make it album and why this song is really important to me is that um, it's going back to sort of that experience. Mm-hmm. This was the first, I had this on tape, I had Dookie on tape, and I got it just after I got my first car. Yep. And so it was a standard car that I didn't know how to drive. And my dad said, you need to go out at like 10 o'clock at night when nobody's on the road yes. and practice. So yeah. you don't hurt yourself, you don't hurt anybody else, but just go and practice. And so I put the I put Dookie in and I'd drive. And I'd just drive and I'd stall yeah. the car, bounce off curb, 
sunroof down, windows open in July, in June, July, 94, 95, can't remember, yeah. but just, and I would go and I would drive. And this song, um, on top of that, sort of dookie overall was related to, and I love cars, I'm a total car guy, I love driving, yeah. so it was my entrance point into that. But this song particularly also has quite a message because it's about a, a guy coming out mm-hmm. to his parents. Okay. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't gay, I wasn't coming out to my parents, but I was coming out of a very severe depression. Okay. Um, and that depression was related to the sports injury, which meant I couldn't do what I loved. I couldn't play hockey anymore. Yeah. And I wasn't sort of myself. And so really depressed for a okay. very long period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then when I got the car and I found Green Day and some other bands, it really sort of pulled me out of it. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the lyrics is in there is, you know, mom and dad will never know what's happening to me. Uh-huh. And I didn't really share very much how I was feeling. I think they sort of got it by the haircuts and the clothes. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I didn't really talk about it. Yeah. Um, but this song always sort of really resonated for me in terms of the meaning and the power it's only a minute and 34 seconds long yeah uh, so i'd constantly rewind it when i was driving and it's soup it's probably the highest energy song i think actually on that album is it yeah um in terms of sort of the the loud how loud it is how fast it is how aggressive it is yeah um but yeah i mean sort of that just and it, again not the same parallel message in yeah. terms of, sort of what it meant for me but really powerful message within the song but then experience for me driving through ottawa midnight sunroof down this blaring on my on my cassette deck just really really awesome yeah so um you know but but again green day gets a lot of heat for for what they do but a lot of their stuff is is really quite exceptional yeah Um, you know american idiot i thought was one of the best albums ever Mm -hmm. right in terms of uh, the quality the sound the message really really good some stuff you know the they weren't really good but you know yeah it was yeah early stuff including dookie a lot of dookie is really really good too yeah so, yeah very underrated in many ways yeah no i you know for me i've never been a big green day guy but i certainly appreciate you know the the talent i appreciate yeah. the art yeah. and uh you know billy joe armstrong obviously a super talented guy so hugely talented right? i mean he does other things too there's acting or it's musicals mm-hmm. um, yeah you know write songs for people yeah. he was actually um in rancid for a little while oh was he really i didn't know yeah. that and he's not related to uh, to Tim Armstrong, who's okay. a singer yes. of Rancid, but yeah. he was, uh, I think he was there for like two weeks as I guess the fourth, uh, second guitarist, yeah. the fourth member. Of the oh, band. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, through Operation Ivy. Yeah, because they knew Operation Ivy, and yeah. um, when Rancid was looking, when they created their own band, they were looking for another guitarist, and they added, uh, they tried a few people out, they tried him out, he didn't stick, yeah. uh, which is fine. Uh, yeah. So they got Lars instead, who's still with them today. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Didn't know that. Yeah. Lums, you're a wise man, my friend. I learned nice to hear. <laughs> I, I, I learned quite a lot in the in this little collection of songs that you've got. And now I know that you've got a, a bunch more. Yeah, obviously. Um, so what we're going to do is get you back uh, to talk about the next group. I'd love to. Okay, but uh, I wanted to really thank you for this. I, I think you did a fantastic job. Perfect. Well, I learned a lot. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great to have you. Thank you, Brent. Thanks, man. Uh, This has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen and my special guest, Mr. Colin Lumsden. Till next time, take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon worldwide. 